Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Dick Beardsley channels his inner Adam Thielen and catches footballs. Footballs with gills. But first, Toby Cavaliva. Now, Toby and I usually talk fishing. Today, we're talking deer hunting. He was driving back from his deer hunt down in southeast Minnesota yesterday, and we had a great conversation. We'll get into it in just moments, but we want to tell you that Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by DS Beverages, your Anheuser-Busch distributor in Paul Bunyan Country, Bonded Lock and Key of Bemidji, your home for Liberty Safes, Timberline Sports and Convenience in Black Duck, Clearbrook Electric, Pepsi and I Bottling of Bemidji, and Ace on the Lake on Lake Bemidji's South Shore. Well, we're checking in with Toby Cavallivog. Toby, I wanted to, first of all, thank you for joining us once again. And secondly, find out how's that, you know, I, I, a lot of the guys I talk to uh, are teachers when they're not guiding. And uh, it's been a bit, it's been a weird year. I'm just wondering how things are for you guys. Oh, you know, it's, it's crazy. We're in a time right now where obviously everywhere in Paul Bunyan country, our, our COVID situations get getting a little bit uh, out of hand. And, and uh, with us in Brainerd, school teaching wise, you know, the, the, the magical number is 50 per 10,000 to switch over to distance learning at the high school level and whatnot in middle school. And we have, uh, we have a, uh, there's a, I just saw a buck running by the, we're going to hunting. I literally just had a big buck run right by the truck. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, two weeks ago, we, we, we surpassed 50 per 10,000. And, uh, in two weeks time, Brainerd is now over a hundred. For, for 10,000 and my wife's uh, emergency room nurse RN at the at the Essentia Health Center in, in Brainerd in the in the ER and our hospital's full and uh, the situation isn't great because you know when people have uh, you know emergency needs right now or people are really sick they're flying them out and you know just last week everybody was full and so things are just a little goofy that way you know it's a little scary it's alarming uh, but with with, uh, with school now we're we are in distance learning from pre-kindergarten through 12th grade in Brainerd, and that means the teachers are coming to work, but the kids are not showing up. There's a few kids with special needs or whatever that do come to school, but other than that, it's sit in your office and get on a Google meeting for a, you know an hourly basis with your with your students. So it's a it's a learning curve for sure. You know we we seem to have a better grasp right now than we did last year. And you know in the spring when we tried to do it, we we're trying to just kind of learn as we we learn as we're running and you know get learning learning to go with it so now we have a plan and we have a structured uh, curriculum geared towards uh distance learning or e-learning as we call it so uh, you know it is what it is and you know we hope that we can get these uh, kids back in the classroom because ultimately uh they're the ones that are really missing out on that deal you know we can figure out a way to teach them but the experience that goes along with the education is you know i have a senior in high school and uh, she's certainly missing out on her senior year. Oh yeah, it's 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 bad. It's not, it, and I feel terrible for those those students. That's for sure. Um, but I, you know, I feel bad for teachers too. Guys like you and and women who get into teaching, they get into teaching because they care about kids. They like dealing with kids, and so it's yeah. it's not great for you either. No, the personal relationships. You know, the rapport you build with kids. You know, some kids. You know, need need a need an adult figure in their life that don't have them and, and there's just special every year there's special relationships you grow and you get and that's the part that as you just mentioned that's the part that's that's missing and you know i have a i have a printed off list of kids with their pictures from last year and i i have you know about 230 kids that i see throughout the throughout the week through a computer screen if they turn on their 
their their camera, and there's there's zero rapport going on. We're simply giving them stuff to do and and trying to touch base with ones that are hard, having a hard time with with you know stuff online and and but it's definitely it's quiet in the school and it's sad. It really is. And, and from from high school athletics that are you know going to be going to suffer through the through that same type of you know we're all Jason and I are both coaches and and uh, he's luckily been able to play some football but uh, you know as a, I'm a hockey coach so as we gear up for winter sports that's another part of the piece of the puzzle you know that you coach for a reason you love play, playing a, you love playing a sport but of course coaching now is is different it's building 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 character and building uh, rapport with kids and helping them uh, steer them in the right direction and and uh, if we can't have that man it's just it's just a sad sad deal yeah, and, I, and we're not going to get into a deep sociological discussion here, but, you know, there are kids who have involved parents, and those involved parents will keep being involved, and, and they'll get them through this okay. There's a lot of kids who don't have involved parents, and the, when they don't have that parent there to make sure they're doing what they need to do, they're going to fall further behind. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, even when you are involved as a parent, there's there's kids that are just, you know, it's hard for them not to have the structure. and. Yep. And you're right. As soon as they, and I see it daily, like you, you, kids, as soon as they start to slide, it's just like they jump right off a cliff when it comes to academics and school and their social life. And, and uh, yeah, it's going to, the, uh, the, the fallback from this deal is going to be, it's going to be something we're going to learn from. And, and hopefully uh, we can all get better in the end. But as they say, it is what it is right now. And all we can do is put one foot in front of the other and make the best of it. Yeah. Well, one of the positives I think that came out of this whole thing was we talked about it many times uh, over the course of spring and summer was the there seemed to be a lot more people out fishing, a lot more families doing that. License sales were certainly up. We're seeing license sales up for hunting seasons as well. So maybe kids and family are getting out in the woods and, and doing some of the things that they always thought they wanted to do and never got around to. Now they're doing it, and hopefully this will be a positive going forward uh, as we get into more fishing and hunting, and they, they will make that continue to be a part of their uh, their life. It certainly has been a part of yours, and you are on the way back from a big uh, big hunting season. Yeah, well, you know, deer season is uh, is kind of the one outdoor event that's not really, as a fishing guide, as you mentioned, uh, is kind of the one thing I don't do that's commercialized anymore. <laughs> you know, as a fishing guide, I do it. Of course, I love it, and just like teaching, you know, for the same reasons, but Deer season is just me, a tree, and an animal, and Mother Nature. And there's, you know, where I hunt, there's no service, there's no phone, there's there's really nothing but me and the, the words, the birds, the chickadees, the squirrels, and, and hopefully once in a while a, a big old wily 30-pointer comes by. That's the, the dream. But, you know, I, I made a social media post on Friday night that, you know, here I am now 45 years old, and I don't even know how many years I've been hunting deer, but I, I still can't go to sleep at night on deer hunting eve. Uh, as if I was 12 years old again, and it's just it's crazy, and it's that's that's the that's the drug for me. And so I, I was fortunate enough to have some time off, you know. And it's not ideal, of course, with everything going on with uh, with school and work and professionalism, you know, as far as teaching goes. But we are allowed to take a couple of days off, and I, I did so hunted through the hunted through the opening weekend, and uh, got to sit outside in t-shirt and shorts and whatever <laughs> else and deer hunt with. 75 degrees in southeast Minnesota is where I'm hunting, and and uh, and and then uh, the transition to yesterday when we had sideways sleet. We didn't get the snow where I was at, but it was it was cold and it was wet and it was miserable, but uh, it was all still part of the experience, and it's it's awesome. You can't I can't beat it. You know, I 
I grew up hunting in northern Minnesota, up uh, just north of Bemidji, uh, Highway 89 going north, deer hunted there, and then transitioned down by Lake George, and after moving to Brainerd and meeting some people through fishing, ultimately, I ended up having an opportunity about eight years to come to southeast Minnesota. The southeast Minnesota is a different different deal. You know, I was driving from Brainerd south through the cities, like nobody's on the road, and there's traffic jam going north, leaving the cities, and everybody's pulling a deer stand and a camper and a four-wheeler, and I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? I'm going the absolute <laughs> wrong direction, apparently. But when you get south of the cities, it turns into rolling hills, and down by the Mississippi River, south of Red Wing, the Winona, and south of that actually is where I hunt, and it's just bluffs and beautiful oak, you know, uh, ravines and tri- and uh, and uh, funnels and cornfields and bean fields and just a deer hunter. It's basically it's Iowa is what it is, and uh, you know, topography-wise, it's the same as Iowa. And uh, lucky enough to have a, a, a farmer family, and, and then I get to go down and hunt for a few days, and and uh, they they come up and see me in the summer, and I take them fishing. And it's a nice little trade out, and you know, down here you can use a muzzleloader or a shotgun. That's that's pretty much it. So you can't shoot, can't, can't shoot, you know, much more than a hundred yards. Um, so the deer just get a chance to get bigger. And, and, and when I say bigger, you know, they make it past two and a half years old, which is a lot of the deer that are shot in Northern Minnesota. The deer count in Northern Minnesota in some places, you know, phenomenal still. And in other places down a little bit, but down here, there's, there's quite a few deer, but with a uh, limited capability with a firearm and the fact that up until just a year ago, there was antler point restrictions, so a deer had to have four points on its side. You put those two together, and they just they get a little bit bigger. So, uh, you know, I, I think I saw five bucks in the last few days, uh, and they were all over eight points, and uh, maybe even more than that. And I was fortunate enough to shoot a seven-pointer, four on one side and three on the other, nice. but it was one of the bigger deer I've ever shot. It was a big old mature one, and a seven-point deer in northern Minnesota is kind of typical that will have a whole about a 10-inch wide little rack, and those get shot, and this one I shot had uh, almost 20 inches wide and like 10 inch tines on it, but it was only seven points. So it's just crazy, and it's an experience I love every year. And I transition from fall fishing, I get a little window where I don't do a whole lot of anything besides, you know, kind of hang out and take care of school starts. And and then I start thinking about deer hunting and start watching the YouTube's and Outdoor Channel and get all fired <laughs> up, and then I get to go spend five days. And now it's time to hopefully, hopefully get the skates out, sharpen them up, and brush off the uh, goalie coaching book and get back to work oh yeah that's uh, that's coming up very soon um so you you mentioned some of the things you like about it the the deer get a little bit bigger obviously they have a lot to eat it's farm country down there um yep and you mentioned the topography being different do you find that entertaining simply because it is so different from where we live it is in the sense that you can you get to see more deer kevin you know not that there's a more there's more deer, which there probably is a little bit in the spot that I'm hunting compared to where I used to hunt. But, uh, you know, it's just so many, the vast open fields. So you may not have a prayer at shooting one of the deer you see, but if you can see across a 150 acre field and there's, you know, 20 deer out there scattered all over the place, it's just entertaining. You're not just staring at a red squirrel in a pine tree all day until, until the one comes by at 40 yards you're literally, you know, you're sitting and you have options. You can hunt in the woods, you can hunt on the field, and and uh, and, it's, and it's the state land down here is the same way. So it's just, it looks different, and uh, it's just, it's quite honestly, it's a little bit warmer most of the time <laughs> as you get older. You know, it's just, it's just beautiful down here. And I get, and again, the number one, the number one factor is the groceries. You know, they're 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 agro, agricultural fed, so they have corn and beans and acorns, and and they're just 
really tasty critters. So that's the number one number one deal. I know when I left the house, uh, we had we had been out of venison since about since about February last year. So my goal was to get a couple, and and you can shoot a couple down here. So I now have three deer, and we should be good through the uh, 2020 till <laughs> 21 season. So, so yeah, it's it's just it's just phenomenal, and the deer the deer are not as pressured on private property and. And, you know, I got to hunt. Actually, the deer I shot, I used a decoy. I put a decoy out in the morning and, and uh, sitting in the ground blind, and, and I, I heard a deer across the way on a ridge grunting, and, and I just hit my call a couple times, and he came flying out of the woods from 100 yards away to about 30 yards, and uh, I, I, I would have had a hard time missing that one. It was just textbook. It's like if you ever watch a hunting show for deer, and they have these big animals that come out, you know, and it's the sunrise behind, and it's picture perfect. Well, that was the memory I got to have this year, and nice. for that I'll be ever grateful. And that's that's the drug that I wait for all year <laughs> round, right there. So, um, for a lot of guys, it is simply about the hunt, but uh, but you actually uh, are a big venison fan as well. Oh, absolutely! And so, you know, we have we pretty much all the all the burger that we use for you know your tacos and spaghetti, spaghetti and everything like that. I I typically have a deer or two made into hamburger. I'm see, I seem to be the only one that enjoys the steaks in my house, so uh, I don't have as many of those. And then I typically make a deer into beef sticks that uh, get to come along with people that jump in the boat with me in the summer. So those get eaten up pretty fast, you know, if you took a pack of beef sticks every day. So, uh, yeah, so I definitely I love it, and it's, you know, it's healthy, and uh, it's, lean, it's a lean uh, red meat. And, and uh, for me, there's a million ways to make it, but I like to grill them, and I like to eat the, eat the, eat the burgers the burger meat in uh, all my spaghetti sauce, that's kind of a key. I, I kind of don't like spaghetti unless it's got medicine burger in it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we make a lot of spaghetti in my house. So you're in southeast Minnesota. That uh, is an area that, uh, at least some parts of it, that have been key to CWD. What about where you're hunting? Yeah, we haven't. You know, the closest, uh, the closest animal that was tested positive is about 15 miles from uh, to my, you know, here, there's not a whole lot of testing going on. It's all volunteer only because of the because of Corona. Right. And so, um, you know, I don't know what the numbers will show for this year, but in the last year, you know, there was there was a, a dozen or so deer that were found in, in in the area closest to you know east of Houston, Minnesota, which is kind of a hotbed for it. And uh, and uh, you know, the closest was whatever it was like far. I think the farmer that I was chatting with, he said like ten miles away there was one. So nothing immediately in the area, um, you know. They obviously, obviously, it's a real thing, you know. And and so I, in Brainerd, they have it too. So it's not too far south of Bemidji. There, there's a CWD zone there too. And I, and uh, you know, you just you take them in and get them tested. I did have a deer that I shot with an archery, my in archery season at, uh, up by Brainerd this year, and I took it and had it tested. And I'm still waiting the results. So I'm not in a hurry. And I'll do the same with these deer that I got down here. And, I'm in no hurry. I mean, I'll get a process and whatever, and I'm 99% sure that it'll, they'll be fine. You know, they're very healthy deer, but mm-hmm. sometimes they have it. They don't know. And, of course, there is no science behind the fact that it transfers to humans. So, you know, right. I'm, I'm comfortable with it, and uh, and uh, but we'll wait. We'll get them tested and we'll see what happens. But um, I have I have three different deer, and, and uh, I'm sure hoping that they're fine. But, you know, I haven't seen it direct hand. I haven't seen a lot of deer numbers dying down there and, and falling and, and some say it's been there all along it's just now they're testing it more so of course you're going to find it you know 
kind of kind of the same small scale story of how we've transitioned with COVID. You know, it's just, at first it's not a big deal, then they start testing more, then you find more, mm-hmm. and and then now we now it, here we are, and and they do seem to have you know they have a they have a there's there's a method to the madness now, and people seem to be recovering from it, but it's still prevalent. You know, so mm-hmm. it's the same with PWD. So what does Toby prefer, deer hunting or fishing? We'll pose that question later on. Up next, though, we check in with Dick Beardsley, fresh off a fishing trip in South Dakota. And now, getting ready for ice fishing. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Country Outdoors, bringing in one of our good friends, Dick Beardsley of Dick Beardsley Guide Service. Dick, welcome back to the show. Hey, Kev, great to be with you again. Man, uh, here we are, what, mid-November, and um, I'm starting to get geared up for the ice fishing season now. In fact, I just dropped my boat off this morning to get winterized, which is always a sad day, (laughs) but I'll be sad for today, and then tomorrow I'll start getting fired up for the ice fishing season coming up. Well, it's it's definitely going to start coming up, that's for sure. Um, do you do any hunting, Dick? You know, I used to, Kev. Um, I used to deer hunt, but I haven't in uh, in many years. I, I still like to get out and walk through the woods a little bit, grouse hunting and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much just keep fishing until I, I can't get the boat in the water anymore the fall. You know, there's there's a number of guys like that, and and it's probably in in a way kind of cool because uh, you sure have uh, some great fisheries to yourself uh, at, at a time of year when the bite is really excellent. Oh, you really do, Kev. You know, I was uh, I was out in South Dakota last week out on Lake Francis Case. Uh, I was out there sprucing up my son's grave for Veterans Day and the upcoming holidays, and I always bring my boat out there, and it was. Four days in the 70s and no wind, which is unheard of out there. And the walleye bite and the smallmouth bass bite was, it's the best I've ever, ever, ever seen it. And I've been going out there for, gosh, 40-plus years. But before I left, I was still doing guide trips up until about, oh, that third week in October here around the Bemidji area. And I'll tell you, Cal, the, the, the walleye bite this past fall on a lot of the lakes, including Lake Bemidji, was really really good it was it was really a lot of fun what were they doing uh on the on the lakes well you know me i love jig fishing and, mm-hmm. and in the fall that jig bite it was uh, really good and and i tell you Kev, we were catching most of our fish were in that 12 to 14 foot zone just fishing off some of the offshore breaks and and kind of along some of the still emerging weed lines but actually we were catching more fish they weren't sitting right up on the edge. You were, you know, uh, a little bit out of ways from um, from some of the the weed edges on the area lakes. But basically, I call it long line jigging. What we would do is either use the wind if if there was some wind to drift along a certain depth, or we'd use the trolling motor to kind of keep us at that depth. And then you know you pitch the you cast your jig out, and then you use the wind or the your trolling motor with your boat. And you just, we were just kind of dragging and popping that jig. And, um, and then when, when you'd catch a fish, I'd hit the anchor mode on my trolling motor and we'd sit there and, and then pitch jigs and usually pick up a few more. But I mean, it was, the bite here this fall was really, really good. Um, now 
October was a cold October, and I'm telling you, those last few trips I had, my uh, I had the little heater in the boat just to kind of you know try to warm up your hands, you know, when they get wet from handling the fish or handling minnows, things like that. But I hope folks had a chance to get out there and enjoy the fall bite because it was really good. We'll talk a little bit about your uh, trip to uh, South Dakota. You do that every year. But this year, uh, it wasn't a typical November trip to South Dakota. No, Kev, it wasn't. It was, you know, I was kind of watching the calendar. I tried to get out there before Veterans Day sometime early November, and I just happened to hit it right. I had four days where the temperatures were in the mid-70s, and there wasn't any wind. And when I say any wind, it was the Lake Francis case, the Missouri River system out there, was like glass and to see it like that out there for one day, let alone four days in a row, and Kev, the the walleye bite and the smallmouth bass bite was off the charts. I mean, I've been going out there for forty plus years, and uh, it was uh, it was unbelievable. And those fish were all in that ten to fourteen foot range, and when you find a school of them, you could just sit on top of them. And Kev, the last day I was out there, and I'm I'm not saying this to try to not like I'm some great fisherman or anything like that. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But the last spot I was on, I sat there for almost two hours, and I I caught either caught a fish or had or got bit, literally on every single cast that day. I I know I caught well over a hundred walleyes, <laughs> and these things are like footballs. And Kev, honestly, it was the best one day of walleye fishing I've ever had anywhere in my life it was just crazy good what a special day it really was and you know that last day i was I'd, i had a couple guide trips out there a couple days before and then that last day um you know it was just me and and i could feel my son andy's presence in the boat with me we used to fish out there quite a bit when he we go out there to visit his grandma and grandpa and um it was just and there was nobody else out there on the on the lake it was, uh, it was, uh, you're going to start making me cry now. It was one of the most glorious days I've ever had in my life. It was really something. It was very special. Wow. But four days of temperatures in the 70s in the Dakotas with no wind, that, that is pretty amazing in its own right. Oh, I'm telling you, Kev. <laughs> like I said, I've been going out there for 40-plus years, and I wasn't out there um, in November last fall because I just had back surgery. But the fall before, I was out there about the same time. And the last day I was out there that day, it was 28 degrees, and I had about a half a foot of snow in my boat. <laughs> I was freezing my hinder off. So, no, it was yeah, – to get four days like that out there again is probably probably not going to happen again in my lifetime, I don't think. Well, you uh, you are a guide in Paul Bunyan country. Paul Bunyan country, I think we can arguably say, is the walleye capital of the world. Some might even argue it might be the bass capital of the world, too. Uh, there might be a little bit of a fight at that one, but uh, you, there's a case to be made for that. That being said, you do make it your way out into the South Dakota area a couple times a year, and I know there's plenty of people who live in our neck of the woods that uh, still go to western North Dakota or western uh, South Dakota to do some fishing, so what is it about that area that is so appealing? Well, part of it is they have no closed season. So I know in the springtime, this past spring, I was out there, gosh, probably four or five times before our season even opened. 
And um, the the fishery out there on Lake Francis Case, which runs basically from Chamberlain, Chamberlain, South Dakota, all the way south to where the dam is in a little town called Pickstown. And it's about 130 miles long reservoir. And the uh, the amount of fish in that lake and the amount of food that's in that lake, it, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. And it's so different than around here, Kev. You know, here I love the forests, and we all do, that that live in, and partake in outdoor activities around here. But out there, you're in these, it's wide open, and there's something very beautiful about that also. And also, what's different is, you know, you know me, I like to fish a lot of the weed edges for just about every species around here. Well, out there, there's really no weeds in Lake Francis Case. It's all gravel and chunk rock and, and a little bit of mud once in a while. So it's completely different type of fishing. And, um, you know, it's it's fun to be able to go out and, and, and fish a little bit differently than, than I do back here. But as much as I love going out there, you know, this is home for me. I love coming back home here. And, uh, and now I'm getting excited for um, the... Uh, uh, upcoming ice fishing season, which hopefully is right around the corner. So, we're, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But I do want to talk a little bit more about uh, that uh, that difference in fishing style. What are some of the things you have to do in a, in a South Dakota reservoir or body of water that that makes it different than fishing here? You mentioned no weeds to follow around. What else? Yeah. So out there, a lot of people concentrate on the river channel, and and you can see it on your locator. I mean, you'll be in. You know, 20, 30 foot of water, all of a sudden, it'll drop down to over 100 feet. And so in the summertime, Kev, a lot of those fish relate to that edge. So you're, you know, you'll catch a lot of fish out there in that 30 to 40 foot range. And what I found out years ago out there that in the summertime, most everybody pulls bottom bouncers and spinners with night crawlers. I mean, I would say 99% of the people. Now, I've got, I've been out there in the summertime and I always, you know, try to get a jig bite going. And, you know, you will catch some on a jig. In the spring, especially, you'll catch them. That's what, where most people do it. And then late in the fall. But for the most, the majority of the year, people out there pull bottom bouncers and spinners or they'll pull plugs too. And night crawlers are the big ticket out there in the summertime. And again, you just, you know, Earlier in the year, they're going to be up shallower. As the summer progresses, they're going to be hanging out more on the edge of the river channel and where the water drops off quite deep. And you just follow that with your uh, your locator and your mapping system on your graph, and, um, you know, you'll do pretty darn good out there. And the smallmouth bass fishing, too, is just crazy good out there. So uh, you can really have a, a good opportunity. But out there, Kev, it's funny. You know, we cherish our smallmouth bass around here, at least most people do. Out there, they don't like them. The guides out there, they they keep a lot of those fish. You'll see them in pictures hanging on a stringer and stuff like that. And yeah, the the guides out there, they um, they think that it uh, disrupts the walleye fishing and is detrimental to them. Which I I disagree with them on that point. But that's a a whole nother argument. <laughs> All right, so we are going to get some uh, ice fishing in here probably, uh, you know, fairly soon. The temperature's definitely dropping again. Doesn't look like it's going to get go- uh, real warm again. Um, we had a bit of a disappointing season last year. Great start. Uh, big snowfalls kind of ruined things for a good chunk of winter. 
Then towards the end uh, of the uh, ice fishing season, we were able to get out there some and, and had a lot of success as well. So provided weather-wise it's okay, we can get out there, what can we expect uh, during the ice fishing season? Well, I tell you, Kev, that you're right. Um, you know, I couldn't even get my wheelhouses out onto Lake Bemidji until the first week in February just because of, you know, like you mentioned, all the snow and the slush and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, here's what we're hoping for. Some really some cold weather coming up. We get a be no, really nice to get a nice eight to twelve inches of ice before we got any real heavy snow. And then, then I think uh, if we can do that, hopefully we'll be able to get out there and and get the the wheel houses and the skid houses out there and and still use portables. Obviously, I use those a lot too. And um, but I you know I think if anything like the fall was, I think we should be in for a a, a good season. And I think what we're going to see too, Kev. If it was anything like the summertime, I, I think we're going to see probably a lot more folks out there uh, giving the sport a try with the COVID still going rapidly uh, rampantly all over the country, and especially here in Minnesota. I think people are going to be looking for things to do. They can do it outside. And so I think we're going to see um, more people out there giving a shot. And if, if any indication is from the inquiries and, and bookings I'm getting for ice house rentals on Lake Bemidji, um that's kind of the way it seems to be looking right now so um you know it's always hard for me when i winterize my boat and put it away for the season and i'm kind of a little bit disappointed for a day but come tomorrow man i'll be i'm i'm already starting to get fired up to get ready for the ice fishing season and that's what i'm doing i'm getting my houses all ready to go and the the ice rods and reels all set and uh i'm looking forward to it you know, one of the things that, uh, that has happened the last few years during ice fishing season is uh, uh, the wheelhouses the, have become very, very, very popular. The pressure on lakes, I know Red Lake for certain, and I think a lot of lakes, is actually increased in winter over a soft water season. Um, there's, there's more people out there. They're catching more fish. There's more pressure on the water. They had to put a, you know, a, a special reg on Red Lake starting November 1st, um, four to three fish because of that. Do you have any long-term concerns about the pressure on the, on the lakes due to increased ice fishing? I do, Kelv, uh, especially, especially with the panfish and especially the crappies. You know, the crappies tend to uh, school up big time in some of those deep water basins. And um, they basically sit there all year, and and they can, I tell you, they can, they can become easy pickings. And you know, the one thing which is nice in the winter time is that every lake is accessible. Even, even if you don't have a snowmobile or can't drive a vehicle out there, if you've got two legs, you can walk out there, pull a portable, or just have a bucket and and fish. And and it's easy to see where people are catching fish because you know there's going to be a, a few fish houses on a particular spot. So. That, that does concern me. I mean, I like the fact that more people are getting out, but I, um, you know, I really would like to see them drop the limits on panfish in the wintertime, everything, perch, crappies, bluegills, um, and even maybe look at having even, an, you know, a closed season for a little bit in the springtime like we do on the walleyes and the, and the pike and bass and the game fish, just to give those, you know, fish. I mean, I know... They lay a lot of eggs, the panfish do, and there's we've got a lot of fish. But, you know, with the increased pressure, I, I'm just a big proponent for, you know, really erring on the side of of maybe taking too few fish you're able to keep than 
to keep too many. So um, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, it, it does concern me a bit because there definitely is more pressure out there on the area lakes in the wintertime. And a lot of that is because of it's so comfortable now to fish out in these wheelhouses. It's, it's like fishing in your, uh, in your, you know, your living room in your home. It's that comfortable out there. You know, I, I, it can be a double-edged sword. I think it's really important that uh, more and more people are experiencing uh, ice fishing. You know, like you mentioned, because of comfort, maybe people who would never do it otherwise are. And I think that's important for the future of the sport. At the same time, it does put additional pressure on. Yeah, it definitely does. And it is good for the sport. And, and um, you know, see, especially younger people getting involved in the sport. And hopefully that will continue on. And um, I think, you know, and sometimes... We have to put limits on ourselves, and I know when I take folks out, especially if it's on a small lake in the winter time, you know, if the you know crappie limit's ten, I'll say, well, you know, you can keep five. Well, yeah, but we can keep ten. Yeah, I you can keep ten legally, but when you're out here with me today, you can keep five. And if there's four or five of them, you know, in the group with me, you know, that's more than enough fish to clean and, and have a nice fish fry. And and when you explain to people why you're doing that. of the people are really good uh, about that. And so, you know, even though we've we've got certain limits on the fish, that doesn't mean that you need to take a limit every time you're out there. So that's something for folks to think about also. Okay. Um, Yeah, and then and typically it is uh, those smaller lakes that are going to freeze up first. Um, And there's there's a lot of... uh, I think a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, fun in the challenge. Uh, you've mentioned it before of of being being a hardcore outdoorsman and uh, hauling your stuff through the woods and you know getting out on the water. You're not just rolling up and uh, taking the truck out to the middle of the lake. No, that's right, Kev. You know, I remember last winter we all that snow, and uh, I was on a little lake way back in the woods. I had to to uh, snowshoe about oh mile and a half maybe almost two miles back to this little lake and through the deep snow. I got out there, and it was just me. It was a small little lake. I drilled a bunch of holes. I was out there for about six hours, and, Kev, I never caught a fish. When I got home that night, I told my wife, Jill, I said, "Hun, that was one of the most enjoyable times I've ever had ice fishing in my life, and I didn't catch a fish. Just that the part of that, of slapping on the snowshoes and, and dragging the the little portable behind me through the deep snow and getting out there on the lake and and it was well below zero but there wasn't a breath of wind the sun was out i didn't hear any vehicles any cars all i could hear were some some bald eagles screeching that were sitting up in the trees and it was just an incredible day out there so you know i encourage people to get out and you know if you catch a few fish great but enjoy the time spent out there in the great outdoors because we have so many opportunities here in the Bemidji area. We don't know how fortunate and blessed we are. Absolutely true. Yeah. Hey, just advice for those who are going to go out ice fishing. Uh, give us some safety tips. I mean, what do we need to bring with us, number one? And number two, what, how, how thick should the ice be before you even take it seriously? There's no such thing as 100% safe ice. But uh, what, what, uh, how, how thick is it before you say, okay, I'm ready to go? Yeah, Kev, when I was 40 years ago, you know, I'd be out there on two inches of ice, which is crazy. You know, I would have a life jacket on. But now, you know, about if you've got four inches of good, solid ice, um, you know, that's plenty good for, for to walk on for sure. 
but especially that first ice, you know, make sure you have an ice chisel with you and that every step you take that chisel and give it a couple of whacks into the ice just to make sure. Another thing is the ice picks. You can buy them at the local bait shop and uh, sporting goods stores, and they're just they're on a on a cord that goes around your neck, and they've got two handles and like a couple of nails almost is what it looks like stuck in the end so that if you would happen to go through the ice, you can stick those into the good ice and pull yourself up out of the ice. They're very inexpensive, and they can save your life. Another thing, too, is if it is early in the season, throw a life jacket on or buy a suit. I've got a suit that it's a floater suit, and um, both the bibs and the jacket, so that if I would happen to go through the ice and get into that water, I'll actually float. So... You know, they're a little expensive, but they're well worth uh, if they're going to save your life. So, And just use extreme caution, and especially early in the season. You know, don't wander out onto some lake that's out in the middle of the woods all by yourself. Make sure you go out with somebody, have a, some rope with you just in case that, um, you know, if somebody does go through, you've got somebody there to help you get you on out. And if you follow just some really, you know, easy advice and 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 just, you know, don't get overconfident in the ice. You know, you'll have a safe ice fishing season, and um, everybody will have a good time. Absolutely. So, Dick, um, do you just rent the houses, or do you actually do ice fishing uh, trips as well? No, I do the trips too, Kev. Yeah, I, I've got some uh, wheelhouses I put out on Lake Bemidji, and I rent those out. Sometimes I'll even use them on guide trips, and I've got portables that we'll uh, pull out onto some of the area lakes and and, uh, and and they're very comfortable. I mean, my my houses, the portables that I have, they're all got the double insulation in them. And, boy, when you get them set up, which happens right away, you pop a couple of holes. I put a Mr. Buddy heater in there, and they are as comfortable and warm as can be. So, um, no, I do both. And um, like I said, Kev, I'm looking forward to the season. It's right around the corner. How do we uh, get lined up for if we want to either rent a house or take a trip with you? Yep, you bet, Kev. They can give me a call at 218-556-7172, or they can send me an email at, real simple, dick at dickbeardsley.com. And you can go to my website, too, dickbeardsleyfishingguide.com. Dick Beardsley, good friend of the show, uh, getting excited for ice fishing season. I think a lot of guys uh, are as well. Uh, Dick, thank you so much for your time today, and good luck when you get a chance to get out there. All right, thanks, Kev. Always a pleasure to be on with you, and good luck, everybody. Stay safe. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, checking back in now with Toby Kavalibog, fresh off his deer hunting excursion. You know, when I was doing uh, play-by-play covering you and uh, and all the the lumberjack athletes of the, the 90s, a lot of people would ask me what I like best, uh, you know, what sport I like to call best. And there really wasn't one I liked best, but there were certain things I liked about each. You know, this one provided sure. this opportunity. This one gave me this. What about you? If I were to say fishing or hunting, do you have a favorite? Uh, or do they each bring a different kind of joy to you? Uh, I would say they don't both definitely bring joy. And, you know, as you age, your everything changes from your taste buds to what you enjoy the most. And, and for me... There's no question that personally, uh, my short deer season is by far my favorite because I just I spend the whole year waiting for five days. Yeah, <laughs> now, fishing fishing is spread out so far you know throughout the year that uh, you know there's different times. So 
you know, coming to Bemidji and fishing that tournament with my dad. Well, that's a highlight that I look forward to, similar to deer hunting. So the night before, I'm not as wound up as he is because I've done a lot of them, but, uh, you know, that's special. So fishing season in general, you know, and I get the uh, peak periods where I know the fishing is really, really good. I'm excited to get people out. I have people that rebook the same example, the July full moon, come up musky fish. And, uh, you know, this year we got five muskies and one guide trip, you know, and it was, it was crazy. Well, you can't beat that for excitement, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was a lot of fun. And so there's, there's peaks and valleys throughout fishing season. So it's kind of spread out. I love that, of course, as well. Um, but when you get, sorry, your loud vehicle going by. When it's all right. Get, when you get a, when you get such a, something you have such a passion for that's such a small window of opportunity, you know, it's like Christmas every year when you're a kid, you know. Birthdays are great. You go to birthday parties or family functions. But when you know Santa Claus is coming tomorrow, <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy to get excited. Yeah. That's kind of my deer season. And so for that purpose, I would say deer season would probably be my favorite because it's more personal and it's, it's special. And it's just kind of, just kind of like I said, it's just me and a tree and nothing else, not much else going on. You know, in this uh, world, I just was talking to somebody who told me the attention span of the average person now is down to seven seconds because of all the social media and all the things that grab our attention. To be able to sit out in the woods and not have any of that and be able to be entertained, that's to- that's like yeah. old school, baby. It is. It is. And you're right. It's it's hard. You know, I was just, I, I, I stay with a friend who hunts with a different group of people and they have a beautiful uh, property that they get to hunt, and they see deer all the time. And uh, there was a youngster, a youngster in the group who was about 16 years old, who who was really frustrated after three days that he just wasn't seeing any deer. And he was positive. He was positive. There's the deer numbers are down where they hunt, and wasn't going to be any good. And his father had to remind him, you know, if you put your phone down for a minute and actually look at some of the woods around you, you might actually see a deer. So <laughs> that's something to be said for that. So, yeah, for me, it's so quiet, and you don't have a choice for you. Like where I hunted the last couple of days, it's, there is no service. So if I wanted to get service, I would have to get out of my little hut and walk up a hill that's at about a oh a 45-degree uh, angle straight up the hill about a half mile to, to get service. So I wasn't going to do that. I just figured I'd shut it off and maybe even take a nap instead of getting on my phone. Nice. <laughs> There's plenty of things to think about and, and uh, just life and, and everything that's going on. You know, it's, yep. it's pretty it's pretty cool to be able to sit there and just listen to nothing. Oh, d- yeah. I, I, I actually I actually saw a tree fall over in the woods by itself <laughs> yesterday and it answered the age old question. They absolutely do make noise when a tree falls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, not awesome. <laughs> Well, before we wrap it up, let's talk a little fishing. I know you haven't been out fishing much yourself lately with school and, and, and deer hunting and all things that, that, that are going on. Now you're getting ready to coach. But typically, this is a pretty good time to get out on the water if you can, uh, pretty much for everything, but certainly for one of your favorite fish, the muskie. Yeah, you know, people are all fired up about it. and Guys are breaking ice and breaking ice at landings to get out on, on their favorite lakes. And, you know, Leech Lake, where I do fish a lot, is is no difference, and, and there'll be people, and until it freezes up, there'll be people chiseling with, you know, going to the ice landings with sand, to keep the, or the, going to the boat landings with sand, make sure that they can get back off the water at the end and sprinkle the sprinkle the, the landings, the cement with the sand, and then chip chip with a, with ice pick, ice off the landings, and then get their boats in. And the reason they do is because the muskie fishing is, is so good at this time of year because 
the numbers of fish concentrate in certain areas where where the tulipies are spawning and and uh, you can really have a fun day where you see a lot of fish people that maybe don't like to cast all year long will use live baits and suckers and and then people also can cast with big rubber baits that replicate uh dying cisco or tulipy and and uh you just it's a really good time to get out something i've actually only done once or twice i've not caught a muskie this late in the year but uh kim hansky one of our guides does and uh this is the biggest the fish are also the biggest of the year you know they're they're, they're really fattening up right now for winter plus they got you know they're starting to the females are starting to develop their eggs so they got a little extra weight there and and it's truly 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 the giant time of the year to catch a muskie and and so guys are just as crazy as i am about shooting a deer uh when it comes to muskies and they get out there and they do it and leech lake is a great place there's there's a ton of whitefish tulipies in that lake and and so when they're spawning when they're spawning they uh they load up pretty good of course there's a huge population of muskies so it's a it's a popular destination and because it's a walker bay per se is is a is a is a big enough deep enough cold enough water in the summer but that's also one of the last places to freeze up so people can people can get onto the leech lakes of the world lakes like that that are deep and cold and and, and fish them pretty late in the year so it'll be guys that'll fish muskies right up to december if they can or whenever the end of the season is so um yeah well it's kind of crazy i think but <laughs> they do i know yeah, yeah everybody's got their passions um, but you know what? It's not yeah. just muskies. It's also uh, a great time to catch maybe the biggest walleye you've ever caught, too. Well, uh, yeah, it goes to all species. You know, uh, they they are starting to retain eggs, like I mentioned. I mean, even back in September, I was cleaning fish that had eggs in them, you know, that are developing and fish are getting fat. And and uh, they they congregate. That's why they say, you know, early ice season is the best for, for uh, walleye or whatever the species may be. They get a little break or maybe they're not pressured, but they... They do congregate in certain areas, and, and they kind of school up again. And, and last last water is kind of like the same. I mean, it's literally a day or two apart from first ice. So, you know, those deeper water transition areas, a lot of times I find, you know, the early ice spots are those spots where it goes from a hard bottom to a soft transition area. Maybe there's some bugs down there and the, the bait and the small perch that they forage on or down in that area. And uh, it's really no different. Leech Lake was a fantastic walleye fishery. All year again, and this fall, it was phenomenal. Not that many people were out there later in October. I know Chuck Cassie did some trips, and it was very, very fast and furious. And some big fish as well. And, you know, from, from September on, those big ones get pretty predictable on some of those spots on all of our lakes. But it leeches, of course, because it just does have big fish, the biggest fish of the year are caught. It's because, they, of course, they're, they're binge feeding, like everything else, for, for winter and 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 they're also retaining some weight from eggs. So it's a great time to practice catch and release. Well, I know, like you say, like we were saying earlier, you're, you're a coach and teacher, so you're really busy this time of year, and certainly with hockey coming. Uh, do you get out and get any ice fishing in at all? I'm pretty much allergic to ice fishing. <laughs> I, if I drill a hole on the ice that I'm on, the Zamboni driver will get awfully mad at me. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I had to... Uh, I had about five-year window where I did get into ice fishing uh, when we started Leisure Outdoor Adventures. We had some rentals that we ran on Leech Lake out of Chasing the Lake Resort, and uh, I was kind of heavily involved in making sure that those were put on the right spots on weekends and then cleaned and, and quarter potties emptied and, and breaking them out of the ice on, the, on a weekly basis when they, you know, when they get warm in that slush and then they freeze in and 
going through that and beating up my truck. And I, I tell you, after a few years of that, I was like, ah, oh, I'm good with this. I can just, uh, back to coaching. I can be called good. <laughs> so, so no, I, I fish. I do. But when I ice fish, it's late season and it's crappie fishing and it's playing a video game with electronics and I'm sitting in a t-shirt and pants and don't even have to bring an auger because somebody drilled a hole the day before and it didn't, didn't freeze yet. So that's the ice fishing I do. I guess the uh, lazy man's ice fishing, but actually it's really good. It's not lazy at all. It's your hole hopping. But I just, you know, back to that, we were talking about deer hunting. It's opposite. Like I can't sit in a fish house and steer at one hole. I just can't. And it's probably because of, uh, probably because of my, my summer guiding and fishing that I'm so aggressive fishing. I just, I can't, uh, yeah. I cannot sit still and wait for the fish. I can sit still and wait for a deer, but not not a walleye. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that, it's a little bit different. Your uh, your description of what how you like to ice fish is very similar to my description of how I would like to ice fish. I uh, I prefer the nice relaxed warm house ice fishing for sure. Uh, I'm no yeah, bro well, bros doll. No, and and more power to them. And that's a passion, <laughs> right? To each their own and. And uh, the guys that do it, Jeff Anderson's the same way. He's crazy about ice fishing. And, and uh, for me, I just, I'd just i rather go down to Florida and maybe catch some red snapper or whatever. Not, mm-hmm. not red snapper, uh, redfish. Yep. You know, and, and if I can't cast to it and jig it a couple times and get in the fight, I, I just soon pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, great talking to you, Toby. Uh, congratulations on getting your deer. Uh, I hope uh, things settle down in Brainerd for both your wife and you and, and the community in general. Heck, I hope the whole United States and world settles down pretty soon. Uh, but in the meantime, take care of yourself, and uh, and uh, good luck if you do get out there and get any ice fishing in. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. And uh, you, too, and everybody that's listening, you know, get outside. It's uh, the safest place to be, you know, social distancing and outside and fresh air and enjoy Mother Nature. That's it is, it is uh, truly one of the, the benefits of being in northern Minnesota. Hey, if people are uh, booking for next year already and want to uh, use you for a guide, uh, how do they do that? Well, they, and they are. I just, I'm just looking at some email. I had like 34 emails when I got back to my phone here this morning, and uh, two of them were people looking to book. And what the best way to do that is to uh, go online and look up Leisure Outdoor Adventures, which is www.leisureoutdooradventures.com. We have an 800 number. It's 855-L-O-A for Leisure Outdoor Adventures, L-O-A-HOOK, H-O-O-K. So 855-L-O-A-HOOK, that'll get you to our, our uh, booking line, too. So that, either way would be great, and I would look forward to meeting and seeing any of, you, any of my old Paul Bunyan country uh, friends out in the water. All right, Toby, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. My thanks to Toby and to Dick for stopping by today. That's it for this week. Do it all again next week on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Sponsored by Timberline Sport and Convenience in Black Duck, Bonded Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Safes in Bemidji, DS Beverages, Anheuser-Busch Distributors for Paul Bunyan Country, Ace on the Lake on Lake Bemidji's South Shore, Pepsi and I Bottling of Bemidji, and Clearbrook Electric.